Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yo, oh my God, I'm way too Sometimes I wish I could rap. My wife is a rapper, so I try to just stick to making beats. Anywho, welcome to Saints and Thugs. It's been a minute. Yo, yo, yo. Yes, we are excited um, to be here. Um, Welcome everybody to the show. Um, This is Saints and Thugs, where I am a saint. And my wife is a thug. You guys will get to hear and experience and see that as we go throughout the show uh, where we talk about everything that is pertaining to life, um, love, marriage, relationships, mothers, fathers, um, current events. um, You name it. We talk about it. Um, We give our perspective on it. We like to hear your perspective as well. Um, If you have any questions, anything you want us to talk about or address, just put it in the comments. Um, Ask any question. You can DM us. Um, All of that good stuff. Um, With that said, Nay, anything you want to say? Yes. Why should you listen to us? Because we have a very unique millennial perspective. I like to think about us as kind of having a heavenly South Central by ways of Wilmington, Delaware point of view. And basically, if you know anything about millennials, we know something about everything. <laughs> or we think we do. That's no, the we do. We are Google. Google is accessible. Uh, yeah. Siri, what's the capital of Russia? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy. It's that no, easy. That's how the old people talk about us. They like, oh, they think they know everything. Uh, we are very opinionated people, definitely. But most of our opinions come from our experiences um, or our childhood experiences, which we like later on analyze and think about and we process. And then later on in life, our parents are mad at us because we didn't come up with a whole new way of thinking in life and how to do things, and they would call that probably disrespectful. Anywho, oh God. yeah, definitely disrespectful. It's such a different time. Like you can literally tell that black culture is a lot of black culture a result of slavery because if kids have an opinion different than their parents. You disrespectful. True like story. when is a different opinion disrespectful other than in the African American and Korean culture? Well, <laughs> my Korean, my Korean friends' parents be on their head. Listen, I don't know if it's just us. I think that that's probably everybody. That might be just a millennial thing where um, whatever you say that's different um, can come off as disrespectful. But um, either way, we try to keep a healthy balance. Anywho. Whatever that means. uh, uh, Yeah. Anywho, uh, yesterday was Mother's Day. And uh, shout out to all the mothers. Woohoo! Happy mm. Mama's Mama. Mama. 
You know I love you. Ooh, I love you. Ooh, it's funny how none of us can sing. Mama. Mama. Mm-mm. Big mama. Mm-mm. Jesus. My song is probably Sadie, though. That's my Mother's Day song. Don't you know we love you, sweet Sadie? Living in a bed. <laughs> <laughs> Can something, something? Because yeah. I know that you're teaching people how to love. Oh, is it Angel? Oh, uh, God. <laughs> you're teaching people God, how to love. She, she's learning, y'all. Um, my, my brother's Mama Day song is probably Tupac, Dear Mama. You all appreciate dear it. Dear Mama. Definitely. We would play that, you know, pretty much every time there's a Mother's Day, we play that for my mama. Um, anywho, shout out to all of the moms. This show is dedicated to you. We want to talk about um, mothering from a millennial perspective. Um, and what does that look like? Like you have this whole generation of millennials who kind of um, have been raised by mothers, at least in the black community. I don't I don't want to speak for um, every other community. Oh, no. Uh, our tech said he too. He said him too. <laughs> he was raised by his mama. Right. Um, Pops Chuck the deuces. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. And it's, he was it's, at war. <laughs> my mom used to tell me. Well, my dad was in jail for a couple of years. My mom used to be like, "Your dad is at college." Who <laughs> 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 uh, uh, was that? Who daddy was at college? Uh, my dad did seven to five at the university. Listen, that is so bad. I my mom used to say that about different you know different uncles and stuff. Be no like, student loans. <laughs> <laughs> no student loan. One pillow. Where, one pillowcase. All on me. Oh. You don't know night night. <laughs> By myself. And I always to say, um, no, nah, he went home. He's like, where is home? <laughs> home is jail. That's where, that's where he spent most of his time. Anywho, um, Man, we have an interesting dynamic um, um, or generation of kids who are raised by their mothers. And I think what you start to see is you start to see that kind of played out like on social media or Instagram. Like dudes are becoming huge. They're getting so many followers off of imitating their moms. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because And it starts to show you that we are a generation who has been raised mostly by our mothers and how that has affected the way that we think as males and some of the ways that we think as females are solely shaped by us having a single mom. Would you agree? No, I totally agree. I think, and Patrick chimed in too, because Patrick has a super unique, cool perspective on, um, on mothering too. I think that we have a very mixed culture in regards to how we see our mothers because we reverence them because they did it. You know what I mean? And I think the older I've gotten, especially being pregnant, I'm like, oh, this is real life. Like, Oh, mom was really tired when she was up doing that project. Oh, she really did make one slice of cheese, a whole thing of um, Alfredo for everybody. Mm. Have y'all ever had government cheese Alfredo? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) No lie, sidebar. No, this is a funny joke. No lie. This is those. So this is funny because my friend Corey, she's a white Jewish lady, super dope. And I'm only saying her race because it adds to the context of the story. Kick it all the time. Like, like my family. I'm over her house. Every time I go over her house, she's she's a the like the epitome of a host. So she's always has cheese trays and desserts. <laughs> now if you if African Americans, we don't really mess with dairy like that. It just God ain't making stuff. We're not that type of dairy. Yeah, that type of dairy. We <laughs> all <laughs> lactose intolerant. <laughs> you like, it don't go right. You got, right? A, you got a puppy in your it house. It ain't never right. right? <laughs> so she so last week she invited me over. We we're gonna go to the Geffen and see a play, get to the house. She's like, Oh, you know, she's like, um, don't eat before you come. I'm gonna make a little, you know, make a little something, something. Of course she has this like super 
super amazing cheese spread tray. Now, I don't really mess with, I eat everything else, but today I was like, I'm going to mess with the cheese. So she has one of her other homegirls over there. She's like, oh, so what type of cheese do you like? Now, I ain't no perpetrator. <laughs> I know one type of cheese. Oh, God. Government. I can't. So, like, now nah, I'm not joking. I know about cheddar and Mexican cheese. I can't with her. <laughs> you know about Gouda? Gouda. Right, right. Velveeta. So, so her friend was like, She said Velveeta. Her friend was like, What type of cheese do you like? I was like, Velveeta, Gummit. <laughs> like, it was so funny. I knew in my heart Ignorant. that these wasn't real cheeses, but oh. that's what I know as cheese. We're so so it's like this exquisite tray was beyond me. Listen. So case in point is I didn't eat it. It's like black. It was like y'all got some cheese it's It's like black spaghetti. Like yeah. you go to somebody else's house, they're like, oh no, we making spaghetti. I get over there and the noodles is in one pot. Negative. And the, and the sauce is in the other I'll pot. Pass. And Hard I'm pass. like, wait, that's not spaghetti. That's not the spaghetti I grew up right. on. I'm like, why are the noodles and the sauce separate? That's two pots you gotta wash. Right. And I'm like, where's the cheese? Like, wait, this is not spaghetti. I'm like, in my house. The noodles, the cheese, the sauce slash ketchup right. um, is all in one pan and it's baked together, right? All in one. And it's, <laughs> just, it's still ingredients when it's separate. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's disrespectful, too, because but we that's didn't the, come up with spaghetti, but this is how we make But here we go. Spaghetti. That's another thing in Mother's. Oh, listen, my family baked spaghetti. Yeah, I'm saying everybody makes spaghetti like, on a stove. If it's not baked, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. I'm trying to figure it out. It should be baked. Spaghetti is baked. I'm sorry. It, you know what? It, it's an Italian dish, and we should probably these not, new school mamas just is, be that right in the there. Microwave. That picture y'all just seen. That is what spaghetti looks like at mm. our house. Um, and my mom would make enough to last for like four days, but it would really only last two. Cause I got three brothers and it's like a free for all. Listen, you got. That's get another thing. Fit. These new age moms don't never make enough food. I'm not Listen, trying to throw shade, but I literally like I can't stand going over my friend's house. Like when we was growing <laughs> up, you could bring somebody over without saying something because it was enough food. It wasn't a thing. These new moms, like you got a call, like you know, can I come? Can come? Like literally, I love <laughs> going over my aunt Angie's house. My aunt Angie is uh, my husband's aunt. And my aunt through marriage. Mm -hmm. And when I say when she cooks for 50 people, if Listen. it's three of us, so you never be like, oh, can I bring my friend or can I come over? Can I take you? You ain't home? even got to ask. Literally, we got a homegirl. Every time she has, she's, she's, a, she's a homegirl who always want to uh, want to host all the like the friend game nights. When I tell you it was 20 people at her house, she ordered three cheese pizzas and a thing of wings. <laughs> <Yeah>. I was, <laughs> these, these, new, these, these new age And every, look, all the dudes in there are six feet and over with like <laughs> huge, like huge appetites the whole time. I walk in and my wife knows my look. Like when I know it ain't enough food and I'm like, hey, we're going to go eat after this, right? Like if I walk in, Tanae will look at me and I'll look at the food and I'll be like, nah, we got to. We probably got to stop after we leave here. It's like going to crustaceans. Like oh, I knew that. <laughs> I know that after I leave there, I'm gonna have to stop and get some food because I'm gonna leave there hungry. And that's I mean that's what it's like. So we love to go to Aunt Angie's house because we know she gonna cook for at least a hundred people for sure. For sure, and that is that is definitely a difference between these new age moms. Matter of fact, these new age moms want everything to be a potluck. <laughs> I'm like, damn! When you gonna host an event? We always gotta bring our own food to come over your house. Oh, shit, I ain't got time. <laughs> I, I ain't got time. Anywho, um, so that that I mean, uh, that's light chatter about moms. My mom definitely would cook a lot of food. She tried to make it for about four or five days. Like I said, it would only last about two. We knew McDonald's was like a Friday. That's another thing. <laughs> Remember when fast food was like a treat? 
like something you would get maybe at the end of the week after your parents was tired or something like that. Like Friday, my mom would pick us up from school and we would beg her in the car. Can we get McDonald's today? Today is Friday. Can we get McDonald's today? And she'd be like, okay, now, I mean, the thing is you don't find parents who are like looking forward to go cook. Like, like I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Like for my it's mom, they don't know how to cook. It was a sore spot to go to McDonald's. For parents today, it's like, no, we absolutely going to go get something to eat. We're going out. We're going to a fast food spot or what have you. But definitely, you're not looking forward to cooking. And for my mom, that was like, you know, it was like, this is what's regular. Now, it has become the norm. No, it definitely has become the norm. But the thing is, is these millennial moms don't know how to cook. No lie. Like you just said, like we just agreed on, they make spaghetti on the stove. Like it's definitely a different era. Like remember, like grandma and them had seasons and stuff in their cabinet. Like, like we don't even know how to pronounce seasons. Like his aunt had some, but I was like, is that, is that the thymy? She was like, thyme? Oh. Oh. (laughs) And like cumin and sea salt. Like I don't cumin. Look, I'm, I have Terrible. no idea. I'm one. Of, this is the difference is, is that I'm a, I'm a, a millennial wife who believes I'm a Titus 2, Timothy 2 type of girl. So that's uh, some books out of my favorite book, some chapters out of my favorite book, where I believe that the older woman have a responsibility to teach the younger woman, and I have to humbly go before them to learn. So I'm always like, oh, how did you do this? How do you do that? I have a bit of a privilege because the older women in our family still cook. So when it's big holidays, I could, like, you know, uh, put 20 on it and clean up. That's really what I'm good at. They know that I can wash them dishes. And they know, you know what I mean, I can get the grease off of a mac and cheese pan like nobody's business. So I know that I contribute to the meal in my way. And I don't have no shame, but I am fortunate enough to belong to a family where my aunts um, and a cousin who gets down in the kitchen. So it doesn't require me to stretch myself. (laughs) But by no means do I think that I don't have to still learn. So because I'm about to have my own my own immediate family and I got to feed my husband and my children. But today's woman, I don't even know today's mother. If she takes pride in feeding her children, you know what I mean? Like that was something a woman was proud of that her, her kids, friends and husband, they came over there and the food was good. Yeah. These new moms be trying to make mac and cheese with like um, non-dairy cheese. No, it'd be non-dairy cheese or it'd be like seven different types of cheese, but they don't go together. With raisins. And it'd be like dry mac and cheese. With I'd be like, I don't know what is happening with this mac and cheese. Or they'll get the box mac and cheese and then add that right there. That, that picture right there is the devil. That right there. Yeah. If you see, like you go to your friend's house and they'd be like, I'm making mac and cheese. And you see them little, them, them noodles right there. <laughs> Soon as I see those noodles, I'm like, that is not mac and cheese. I'm gonna eat a little bit, then I'm going home. I feel like Dave Chappelle, the episode of Dave Chappelle, when he was like, he realized that everybody else on his block um, was wealthy because everything at their house worked, and <laughs> and he, I, he said he grew up like in a suburb, so he was like the only black family on the street. But he said when he went to his neighbor's house, that's when he realized that uh, that he was in a different living situation because their lights was on. The washer and dryer worked the right way. Um, like, <laughs> nothing. We and call they had that stove top stuffing. They had stove top stuffing. Stove top stuffing. Listen, these new moms. You know, you know what's happening. Honestly, though, with 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 moms, is that we're no longer taking pride in our cre- in our creation roles. We've let people talk us. We got all caught up in gender roles and what we don't do as women and what we do do as women. When I feel like grandma, big mama, nana, and all them, they just was proud to have. Ki- they were proud to rather the kids were theirs or not. They were proud to love them they were proud to be able to feed them they took pride in making a meal out of nothing you know what i mean like 
I don't. We're, we're not a humble a humble generation of moms. Like we want our kids in Gucci, Fendi, and Prada, but we don't care if they eat a green vegetable. Like my grandmother prided herself on the fact that we had a green vegetable at every meal. True. Literally, like in fact, when, before my my grandmother left me a little note when she passed. Child abuse. And the note it said, "Make sure you have a green vegetable at every meal." Listen, it's child abuse. Look at here, man. I'm. I'm kids are constipated out here because to, they had no green. To vegetables. today, I will not eat a lima bean. If I see it, I'm gonna throw it off my plate. That's how you know you were loved. My mom, I remember it like it was yesterday. We was living on 111th in Normandy. And my mom made lima beans for everybody. And she had pork chops. I remember it was pork chops, lima beans, and mashed potatoes. I ate the mashed potatoes, and I ate the pork chop. And them lima beans were still sitting there. My mom made me sit at that table for an hour until I ate all of those lima beans. And then right when I finished the last one, guess what? I threw up. And then she got mad at me and thought I did it on purpose. But I despise lima beans. Like, there's something about them that, that literally I won't eat them to this day. She still tries to make them, get me to eat them. No, she's like, I put sugar on them. They are terrible. With every meal, you have to have a vegetable. Now I get the value of it so little Dale will have you know, uh, uh, vegetables with, with his meal. He will eat lima beans. Just like I don't know daddy. about lima beans, but I'm traumatized by it. Literally. Yep. I was the opposite. I enjoyed a good green vegetable. My mom had to make me eat meat. I did not enjoy it. was just something about the texture. It was weird. But case in point is we, we all have a reference points for having hot meals at night. Kids these days don't even get hot meals. Like literally they have no concept of a home cooked meal or the fact that you were saying on Friday night was McDonald's night. But I mean, is it the kid or the parent? I don't. I don't know who's at fault. Is it the economy? Do we blame Trump? But kids literally they eat out every night. God. Remember on Friday, Fridays used to be you eat out. My grandmother took us out to eat. Listen, me and my sister, we had had enough Red Lobster and Olive Garden by the third grade. First of all, time. I didn't even know what Red Lobster and Olive Garden was in the third grade. We used to go down on Conquer Pike. Did y'all have Book It pizzas out here? No. no. Oh, so Book It was his reading program, and every time you read a book. You would get your teacher to sign off on your book it slip, and then you could take that book it slip to Pizza Hut and get a personal paying pizza. What? Yes. So my mom was a teacher. Oh. <laughs> so she was like, Patrick, I don't feel like cooking. Come get, on. Get the book it. Come on. Get the book yeah. <laughs> it. Right. You got the, uh, you yeah. got the key to the ah. city. Right. So I just, I just grabbed a little pamphlet and the pamphlet and, and get a uh, pick a book off the shelf and like. Listen. So that's how, like, that's how I got into reading. That's I'm crazy. Like, I, can't, I can't get a book it without reading the book, so I at least got to read some of the books. She's like, boy, mm-hmm. get the book it. Go get the book it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. crazy. Ah, there it is. That's book crazy. it, man. Book it. Yeah. I didn't take advantage Coast. of that. We, hey. have, we didn't have no now, I read the whole Goosebumps series by R.L. Stein. Come on. Off of book it. Off of book it. I read it, but it wasn't for book it. I would have read more if I knew I could get free pizza. Definitely. I had to, I mean, that <laughs> made me think about the, uh, how you had to have book covers for everything. Oh, yeah. My mom would go to the store and get the brown paper bag. Oh, yeah. And I'm in the class. <laughs> you fold the book cover over your book the whole night. Graffiti. You better not mess that book up. <laughs> if I got to pay for it because right. you didn't cover the book. <laughs> got to turn it in at the end of the semester. Trauma. Listen, definite trauma. I would, I, would, I, would, I wanted to take the, the conversation to another level because I think, you know, we're enjoying talking about our moms. I enjoy talking about the mothering experience. But what is the difference? Like, really, you know what I mean, from a millennial perspective, like, do, like, I don't, 
Is, is our mothers still doing that? Like, do they even still cover books at school? Like, I'm about to find out. They don't. They don't even buy books. They don't even buy books. <laughs> they don't have books. Everything's digital now. True. But with it, I mean, what are what what are our expectations for mothers today? Do and and, and do we like as men when you mar- I mean, you're married. You about to get married. I am. So, oh, you definitely. Well, I, I think that the dynamics. Um, what do you expect out of me as your wife and soon to be mother of your son? Mm. I expect her to guard my children. I do. I expect her to police them. I expect her to police the house. I expect her to police what they're looking at. What um, um, are they reading? Um, what's happening on social media? Um, I expect her, like, I think that women are natural police. I think they're natural investigators. I think that that you can, I mean, you can try to pull the wool over their head for so long, but I think that most women know when something's going on. Some of them are just afraid to say something. Mm. Um, and I, I think that they they get it. So I feel like the same thing you do for your man, like you, you want to know everything he doing or, or how he doing it or what have you, or maybe you don't, I don't know. Don't turn that off. I think that you need that as a mother um, of a child. I think that you need to guard him. So, and I feel like she's natural at it. I, I think that older mothers naturally um, guarded their homes. They wanted to know what you were doing. They had rules set in place. Don't you close that door. You know, you keep it open. Ain't no such thing as privacy. Um, you've been on a computer too long. You've been on that game too long. Like they keep up with those things. And I think that those are a part of raising a kid. And I think that we've moved to a society that takes care of kids versus raising them. Like mm. you, you financially provide for them. You'll put them in the best schools, right? You'll uh, take them to uh, different cultural events, take them out of the country. But they don't grow up as a generation that have your ideas. They don't have your morals. They don't have your character. They don't have your integrity. They don't even have your work ethic because generally you think that raising them is the same thing as taking care of them. And those, those are two totally different things. And I think that my mom was a mom who was raising us. You have to be and speak and act a certain way. You say this to an adult. You don't say that to an adult. You in the room too long. You need to come out. You don't know how to wash your clothes yet. Go, okay, go grab the stuff. Figure it out, right? Um, you, you can't do dishes. Why not? Go get that chair, right? And I'm not saying that you need to do all of these things. These are just examples. But realize that you have to raise your kids. And I think that we've gotten away from that. And I think that women do that amazing when they are focused. And so it's kind of the downfall of it, not like that, but you know, where you have women who have to work just as hard as men. And now you have it where women are choosing to work just as hard as men. And I'm not saying you can't do that because you, you know, not everybody fits into one box, but I think that the results are all the same. So I feel like it's not saying that you got to be a certain way as a woman, but it affects the kids in a certain way. And you can't deny that whenever a kid is not being raised and they're just being taken care of, I see it, especially being a teacher and then being a youth pastor and, 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 and working with kids, you know, from, from Inglewood to South central to Santa Monica, the same result. Parents who don't spend time with their kids, who don't teach them how they need to be, how they need to function, they, these kids have the same problems over and over again. They don't know how to respect authority. They don't know how to do anything on their own. And their ideas come from memes, not from their parents. Yeah, I think that's crucial in a household um, that both parents know their 
fundamentally understand their roles and understand that the two could be simul the two could be the same or they could be different. They work together. So there's obviously in our home we're a little bit traditional. I do the cooking, the cleaning, but since I've been Although pregnant, I've been cooking. Rondell has helped out a lot because I just haven't had the energy. So it's the ideal of I'll be whatever you need me mm. to be. And the real and, and and the way that that works is is that it, it does it doesn't create too much of a gray. We have a black and a white house home, but we respect that on some moments, some circumstances, grays have to be created. So since I've been pregnant, Rondell has assumed quite a bit of the housework. That's not something I pride myself on taking care of my husband. I pride myself on taking care of my house and I'm going to pride myself on taking care of my family. But I'm also a businesswoman. I was raised by a single mom and I seen her, you know, my mom, we had a housekeeper, (laughs) but you know what I mean? She valued the fact that her kids were in a clean house. Um, And so, you know, I want to be able to have the best of both worlds. And so to do that, I think um, as a woman is we have to we have to learn millennial women. We have to learn to take pride in what, you know, society has tried to take make take away from us. And that is what we do. Our creation roles, not our gender, because I can make money just like my husband. I've made money. Cash checks did all that. But I want to I want my my son to know that, you know, um, you know, at the school bakery, we at the school bake sale, we not just bringing donuts. Mommy baked this from scratch. You know what I mean? Mommy mommy loves me. Mommy was in the kitchen with me, teaching me how to taste this and do this. I want him to know that we are completely invested in him. And there's no other way to teach him that because verbal, I mean, those who work with children, you know, verbal affirmations work to a certain extent. He's going to learn by our behavior. So the fact that I'm up all night while him and daddy sleep, gift wrapping these brownies so that when he sells them, he has pride in his product. Um, I know it's going to build self-esteem. And I think, you know, again, millennials, a millennial mom, momhood is, is, it's t- we've we've gotten away from learning from the generation before us. Our right. moms learned how to mo- mother from their mothers, and so because we're so independent, and because I do go to Google for everything, you kind of take on this independent mindset. When parenting is something that has been done for centuries successfully, particularly in the African American community, no matter which popular will be popular belief, most of our grandparents raised us on nothing, raised our parents on minimal, and yet we still were progressing as a people. We were building colleges, institutions, getting educated, loving God, building family, and against the odds, and that because they were passing down values that could not be broken. Right. And so you have to take that. You have to decide where where are your values are. My my values and my kids just looking good, or my kids just being good. I have a benchmark for Little Dale. I have expectations for him. So the first year of his life is going to be the easiest year of his life. But the second, third, and fourth game on, it's going to be uh, sight words all over the house. <laughs> I got expectations because I'm raising him as his mother. I want to be able to sit back and say, I didn't just raise a good athlete. I want to raise a man, someone who not only makes me proud, but makes his and community the, proud. And so that starts now as and, his mother. And the reality is, is, that, is the mindset is this, is not raising your kid to be with you the rest of his life or her mm. life. Like you're raising a human being that's going to affect other human beings, right? Um, so in our mind, we're raising somebody's husband. You know what I mean? What is so what all is y'all this? with daughters that's under three? <laughs> so y'all know what I mean? My baby could be your baby okay, husband. I'm so dealt with you. Uh, but in our mind, I think that those types of thoughts motivate us. Like I'm raising somebody else's husband. He's not gonna be with me the rest of his life. He's not gonna be with his mama the rest of his life. And I think that that's a mindset. I think that has to be deliberate because I think just by way, especially if you are a single mom, you will raise him to be yours the rest of his life, and you only think about you. You don't think about the woman that he's going to deal with later. If you spoil him, if you do everything for him. If, if you, you cuddle with him, if that's you, disgusting. You, 
you cuddle, you cook, you clean, you everything with him. Realize that you are damaging him for another woman because if she don't do all of that, he too spoiled to want her and to and to do those things for himself. So and her mama it, raising her to be a wife, not to be somebody. No, it's, mama. It's, it, right, definitely true. And and the the imbalance is this: is that women tend to raise their daughters, but all, but women also tend to coddle their sons. So it's like they have an expectation for their daughter, but then their son can get away with murder, right? Um, um, and be lazy and stuff like that. Now, my mom was a lot different. My mom was uh, crazy. Um, I tell her this all the time, but it was it was crazy that we needed. You know what I mean? Like by the time we was, listen, by the time we was five or six, man, we was doing dishes. We was cleaning the living room, the bathroom. We was washing our own clothes. I mean, the whole nine. So my mom was was not at all like our maid or or anything like that. So we became, you know, independent in those in those things. She was raising us in in those ways in the best way that she knew how. But generally, when single moms raise boys, they do all of those things for him. And when they do, sometimes it don't work out best for the woman that's about to that he's about to get. And it doesn't work best out. It doesn't work best for the mother. One thing I can say that is every mother who have a son, you want to look at your son and be like, look at him taking care of his family. Look at him being a man. And as a mother, you're, you know what I mean? And, and my favorite book says this all the time, like a parent's glory are their children. So you want to brag on your children. You want to have something to share, but you have to invest in them to the point where they give you something to share. And that's truly built on you know, as a mother, what you do, and I'm not, you know, is that we're I'm I'm honing in on mothers because it's we talking about mm-hmm. mothers, but it's mothers and fathers. Um, but here's here's a good question that um I, I I'm gonna put out there to Patrick and Rondell. Rondell share his expectations of me. Oh, he got expectations of me. He want me to make biscuits from scratch. I want I want her to police the home because yep. I think that women were good at that then, and I think that now people don't police their home. Like your your kid is on Instagram you know, seven hours, you have no idea what they're looking at. And their favorite YouTuber is somebody that morally you would detest, but that is your kid's favorite influence. And you got to ask yourself, when did that happen? Like, when did you lose track? When did you lose sight of that? When did you get so busy that you don't know who's influencing your child so much so that if you come against that person, they'll abandon you and everybody else for them. Like they have a high place in that person's heart. It could be an entertainer. The fact that, like, I, I remember having an argument uh, with somebody close to me about their favorite entertainer and telling them, like, look, your favorite entertainer is trifling, like, um, in, in every way. And I won't say who it was, uh, you know what I mean, or, or what have you, because I don't want to throw any, any shade at it. But I was like, your favorite entertainer represents uh, um, everything that's that's terrible about our culture, uh, whether it's, it's uh, drug dealing or um, uh, womanizing, right, or however many women you want to sleep with or, or what have you. And I was like, and they affect you. This person wanted to fight me. And I'm thinking to myself, whenever you decide to take up for somebody you've never met over somebody who's willing to hand you money if you're in need, that person has a high place in your heart. Like you, you, you begin to worship a person whenever you're willing to fight for somebody who would not, who may barely give you an autograph. If they if 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 they walk by you on the street and you ask them for a hundred dollars and they looked at you crazy, but you willing to fight somebody close to you because you said something bad about them, that person has a high place in your heart and that's dangerous. Called idolatry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true. Mm-hmm. Idolatry. 
I don't know why they sing it's greatest come over here. But we we live in a generation like but that. But here's my question. What do you I, as a married and a single man, what do you what do you say in t- okay, maybe it's not a question. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna get it out. I'm gonna rumble through it. But mothering out of a deficit. So we see so I, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about women who mother out of a deficit. You see single women and married women mother out of a deficit. I think our our the mothers before us, they 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 mothered or parented out of a standard. This is what is expected of a mother. So rather she was wounded, uneducated, hurt, broken, abused. Some of her, we have a family member whose mom got her tail beat every day by her uncle. She still cooked three meals a day. She still made sure her kids were at school to come home to her drunk husband to beat her up, fix herself up, cook for her kids the standard was regardless of what i'm experiencing you didn't ask to be here so i'm giving you my best mm-hmm. versus today's mother i could always tell a wounded mom i'd be like oh you could tell that baby daddy didn't want the mama because she holding him like that's her man like you know what i mean no. this idea mm-hmm. that i'm parenting because i'm hurt i'm parenting from a hurt place and so how i mean what as a man what, what, what do you say about that like you know what i mean like did i mean i think patrick your mom your mom had a standard like Pat, she was like you gonna be a man mm. you know what i mean well, it was it was interesting because uh, my mom, being a single mom, she was the first exposure I had. Like I come from a line, a lineage, thank you, of career women. Mm-hmm. Like my aunt integrated my high school. Mm. My other two aunts walked. Uh, my mom literally was a house. Like she worked in the house of the president of the college, and that's how she got through school. Wow. So you, I, I come from a lineage of women who were grinders. Mm. Like my mom was getting a master's degree. When I, once I was born, dropping me off at people's houses, going to teach. She would teach all day, drop me off at somebody else's house, and then go to night school, get a master's program. Mm-hmm. So it was always like about the grind. Mm-hmm. Um, so that visual was about like you don't you don't have the time mm-hmm. to play around. Mm-hmm. Like I remember as a kid, like I might have been like first grade. I brought home like a C. And I saw the disappointment in my mom's face. Mm-hmm. She's like, I've been. She didn't even say it. I could, I could literally look and mm-hmm. be like. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, to an- like, even going back to your first question, my concern about ex- I'm not really concerned so much about expectations initially. What I'm more concerned about is the environment that the woman creates. Mm. Mm. Um, because you create, you recreate who you are. Mm. Mm. So, I- I'm more concerned about how well are you navigating conflict in your own life. How mm. well are you navigating the relationships that you already have? How 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 well are you handling? Like essentially, how well are you managing your own life? Mm. Because th- from that, I can make some kind of basis, come to some kind of conclusion about what happens once a, ki- a child is introduced into the picture. So, mm. who who are you now? What kind of environment do you create now? Mm. Um, and then we work together from that point to then create an environment. Because is is this environment conducive to the message that we want to send to the future? Mm. Kind of like you all saying mm-hmm. you're preparing your son to be somebody's husband. More broadly, like a child is a message that you send to the future. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. So it's like, what message do we combine to make to send to the future? Like, what's the email we send in mm-hmm. to the next generation through mm-hmm. through our through our children? What's the contribution we're making to the culture mm-hmm. um, to, for for the you know decades and generations to come? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm assessing her. Assessing is a bad word. I'm I'm kind of looking at it through that lens, mm-hmm. but but yeah, the expectation and, and the hardships of motherhood were visual, yeah, visible to me growing up, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Like the str- the struggle was real before that was a saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the struggle was Absolutely. real. And yeah. it, but they did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, and and, 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 and and like you said, mothers create a culture. Your mother was dropping you off at mm-hmm. other places where she knew you were safe and exactly. loved and cared for. Man, let me tell you. <laughs> my mom came to pick me up from a babysitter one time. And as she walked in the house, she saw the woman taking food out of her mouth and put it into my mouth. That don't make sense. I'm going to say it again. Mm-hmm. My mom walked in the house. And a woman, my babysitter, was chewing food. Mm-hmm. I've seen mothers do this. Like, mm-hmm. they'll chew the food for the baby, then mm-hmm. give it to the baby. But this woman was not my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom saw the babysitter take food out of her mouth and put it in my, mom, in my mouth to feed me. Mm-hmm. My mom was like, never. never I never again. saw that. I, I haven't seen that lady since. Right. Yeah, never again. <laughs> ne- ne- never again. <laughs> I haven't seen that lady since. <laughs> like, oh, oh, you thought this was, oh, okay. Like your baby? Yeah, never again. <laughs> like a cabbage patch dog. <laughs> uh, never again. No, it's, it's true. And, and I, I think that that... Um, <laughs> that just mom burnt her burnt, name, burnt, like, deleted her out of the phone book because they had cell phones back right. then. Listen, I, no, 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 out of the the uh, what's it called? The Rolodex. The Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> you got snatched out. Right. That page is gone. She took her off her prayer list. She didn't even pray for her no more. She's done with you know her. How disgusting uh, that is. That's yeah, That is terrible. That's like when your mom wiped the licked the napkin and wipe your face with it. Right. You're like, ah, I smell her breath right here on my cheek. Right. For the That's next hour like and a half. Like get my baby tuberculosis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Your friends is watching like, oh, she licked the napkin and put it in your face. That's, oh anyway, gosh. I think that that fits into what Tanae is saying. And it, it also lets you know that there's no one size fits all. Like Preach. his mom was a, a, a career woman, right? Uh, today's mom was a business owner. You know, what I mean? my mom was a working woman, right? Uh, my mom would work for the post office, come have time to come to the school to beat up my teacher. Um, you know what I mean? And <laughs> you know, um, be at home. You know what I mean? To make sure we did our homework. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. And I remember my mom working. Um, she worked graveyard, and sometimes she would leave at, at, at seven, and sometimes she would she would get off at like at three thirty. And I remember my mom telling us. Y'all better make sure those dishes are done when I get back. And it was like straight out of an episode of Crooklyn. Dishes not done. We go to sleep. And the next thing you know, my mom busts in the room, kicked the door open, and she just starts swinging, hitting everybody. Now, it's four boys, but Rajan, my our little brother, was a baby. But it's me, Mookie, and my, old, my older brother. Now, Mookie can't even do the dishes because he's not even old enough, right? <laughs> But everybody got to get up. It don't matter because she upset. And I, I remember can't she, reach the water. Listen, I wasn't even tall enough. She busts in the room at 3.30. We got to be up for school at 7. She busts in the room. Didn't I tell y'all to do them dishes? She starts swinging. We running and jumping and moving, right? And we run out of there. Get in the kitchen. She hitting us as we walking in the kitchen. I get the chair, pull it up to the sink. I'm standing on the chair. My brother's watching. I'm rinsing and drying, and we just crying. Oh, that's right? And then when we finish, we go to sleep for two hours and got to wake right back up. And she the one that got to wake us up after working eight hours. So she get home. She makes sure we get up because we messed up. Then she got to wake up again and wake us up, and she wakes us up. Gets us ready for school and then goes and drops us off after working eight hours at the um, at the post office. And what you realize is 
She wasn't saying that it's your fault that I got to get up. It's your fault that I had to go to work. It's just what you had to do. She parented from a standard that was that was beyond her. It wasn't that your dad ain't showing up. He not doing what he said he going to do. I have to, this is my you are my child. You are my gift. You are my responsibility and I don't give a who what's going on around me. <laughs> I'm raising you. So here's the this ties into a question that um that I, uh, I Tyson asked. He said um Think, baby, move it. Oh, can you instill ambition in your kids when they don't know what they want? Absolutely, because mm-hmm. ambition isn't about a thing. It's a it's a moral conduct by which all children should have. So, if, rather their goals change, their ambition shouldn't. So, rather they love basketball today, they love soccer, whatever it is that they're doing, they should be zealous about. That's a byproduct of joy and yeah. con. So, it's it, this is this and this is this is two things. Shout out to my mother in law. Um, something that I appreciate about my mother in law. Um. Which becomes the foundation for when we have difficult days, because let me tell you, mother, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship, girl, that's a whole nother, that's a whole podcast. Um, <laughs> but something that I admire her and I respect is that she truly raised six, four successful boys when the odds were all stacked against her. Um, my father-in-law was suffering from some, some she was he was dealing with some issues at the time. Mm. Um, they grew up in South Central. Um, you know, money was funny circumstances, the drug abuse and gang. Uh, gang culture was on an all-time high and they lived in the heart of that community yes she has four boys who have attended college who are morally sound and so the ideal is that you are trying to raise morally sound kids nothing else matters prove case in point one of my uh friends from the caucus mountains white one of my white friends (laughs) she was asking me the other day (laughs) i just went i was messing with you she was uh, asking like about blackface you know her son wanted Uh to be martin luther king for like a a school project and then he wanted to face his face his face brown and i said well what is martin luther king being outside of him being black but what 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 does his color add to the context and she was like well he was black i was like no i'm black i know he was black i said but what is the thing that you loved about him was it his black skin or was it the conduct of his character was it his morale was it the way he spoke is it what he represents she said that's what it matters i said well then that's what your son needs to represent he don't need to paint his face black he need to put on that suit and tie take that walk and speak in that tone and speak those words and that is what we're teaching our kids we're not teaching we don't care what they do they can play basketball soccer bake cookies but we're teaching them to be morally sound people to have a compass you know what i mean to say this is wrong and this is right this is what i'll stand for this is what i won't tolerate i love all people although i won't accept all things i will support everybody but i will not endorse everything and so you're teaching your kids to have a moral compass so their ambition will change because ours do when i first became a wife all i all i thought i was supposed to do was cook clean and smile i gave up my career <laughs> i gave up my hobbies because i didn't want to fail at this so i put everything into this five years later you know what i mean i'm like yup sonia come every thursday she know how I, we like the I dishes in the bed made you know what i mean like your focus changes but my ambition is still the same so you want to teach your kids to be ambitious and watch them evolve they will change i'm not expecting little Dell at two to tell me what he wants to be but i, I plan on i plan or I intend to introduce him to everything so he knows he has options. He's not settled to being a basketball player like daddy or a writer like mommy or a pastor like daddy or you know what I mean? Or he has to do because mommy and daddy do hair, do hair, cut hair. He has he could be an engineer. He could be a tech. He could be whatever. And he you, and he can he can do it all. And the, the thing with ambition is this, is that as as Patrick was saying, is it's it's more so who you are. Right. It's more so what they see in you. Right. So if they see you being ambitious, they have no choice but to glean to that and to to borrow from that. Right. That, that becomes a, an extension of who they are as well. So if, if they're having a problem with ambition, then you may want to look and say, maybe I need to be more ambitious in front of them. And that that can look in, like like today said, that can look 
any type of way with anything. It could be towards education. It could be towards your job. It could be towards you wanting to advance yourself, you know what I mean, past wherever you are in your position in life. So I think that that you just want to be ambitious in front of them, right? Um, I, I have a friend who, who while she had a, I think, a six- or seven-year-old son, she um, had a bachelor's degree. And whenever she would talk to him about his grades, she would show him her grades. And he would say, well, mom, you graduated. She said, yeah, but I think I want to get a master's. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then when she bring her grades home, she say, OK, this is what I'm doing. And then he said, OK, mom, I got a master's. Or, or, I mean, she told her son, OK, I got a master's. But you know what? She said, I, I think I want to get a Ph.D. And so she kept reaching higher and then she would use that to motivate him to say, no, you got to do better. Give your best effort. And I think that. Um, saying things like giving your best to your kid goes a long way, no matter if they're playing sports, if they're a musician, right? Not letting them get away with just the mediocre and teaching them, you know, that that they can be creative. You know, in everything that they do, think outside the box. Have a bigger why. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I talk to mostly young black kids, and when, it, when you ask them what you want to be when you grow up, first thing they say is, I want to be in the NBA or the NFL, right? But as soon as I say why, they can't give me a real answer. Why? Right? Because I had the same answer, right? I, uh, why? Well, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to be, you know, I love basketball. I love football. That's not a real why, right? And, and, and so when I say why do you want to do that, because if you have a strong enough why, you'll work hard enough at it. But the byproduct of working that hard is that even if you don't succeed in that, you may pick up another passion along the way where you're already ambitious enough to kill it in that that arena as well. So you got to have a huge why. And for most of the boys, I said, your why is you want money. They're like, well, no, I love the sport. I'm like, okay, well, what if you had to play basketball for free? What if the NBA players didn't make millions of dollars, right? What if the NFL players made as much as somebody made at Target? You still want to play? They was like, uh, no. Nah. Right, so it's really it's really about the money. And the reality is, is that that's your human nature. You want stability. That's what you see when you see them. You see stability. You see the, the, the fact that they can make their own choices, that they can do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. So that's what you want. What if I told you you can get that in any area of life if you're ambitious enough, if you tried hard enough, right? If you gave it your, your best, your all. And it doesn't box you into if that doesn't work out, if you get an injury or something like that, you still have the mindset and the ambition to find it in another place. And then the, the flip side of that is like, what if they don't have ambition? Mm. Another approach you could take is what burdens do they have? Hmm. Yeah. So maybe you don't have this innate sense of drive, but maybe you feel this innate sense of like pain towards something. Mm -hmm. Someone else's life prompts you to feel something. So in other words, Whose pain do you feel? Mm. Who's who do you who mm. are you concerned about? Yeah. Who's heavy on your heart? Like what things can you not shake? And that may give you some sense of direction about what you're supposed to be doing with your life. It's like I don't necessarily feel like getting up in the morning, but when you feel a burden to do something, you'll you'll a burden will provoke you to move. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I want I know as a mother, I want to have an open stream of communication with my child. And so um I believe that this is totally based on what how you feel, but I don't want to be little Dell's friend. 
Um, I have no desire to be his bestie. Like it's it's the last <laughs> thing on my heart. Like literally, like, I can truly care less. But what I want to do is I want him to understand a healthy relationship between mother and son and husband and wife. Mm. So that's my objective in our home to understand that we have a healthy dynamic with him, and then he sees that we have a healthy dynamic with each other. And so um, something that I learned from Dr. Terry. Shout out to Dr. Terry. She hey, is over Jeremy. the children's ministry at our church. Um, she gave me some fire nuggets um, when I found out I was pregnant. She said everything that he tells you never overreact. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, never overreact. Everything he tells you, you're cool with. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Jesus, how does this work? And so basically, I can't remember the story verbatim, but her son came home. He was about between seven and nine. And he was like, mommy, I learned about positions today. She was <laughs> like, positions? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I know how you get a boy or how you get a girl. My friend told me that if you have sex this way, you can get a boy. You have sex this way. And it's like, That's was, sex education sex, for most kids, right. too. And she was like, she literally was about to jump outside of her body. She's like, this is her baby. You know what I mean? Like he talking. She like what? She's like I wanted to lose it. She said, but I already knew then that how I responded would determine how he would tell me anything else for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, oh my goodness! And she was like, well, who told you that? And he was like, uh, Johnny. She's like, Johnny. Oh wow, Johnny from school. He was like, yeah. She said, well, how old is Johnny? And he was like, Johnny's seven. She's like, Johnny's seven. He said, do you think that Johnny knows more than you? No, Johnny's only seven. She's like, do you think Johnny knows more than mommy? No. She's like, I don't think that that's how that happens. Son. Like, I don't think that that's correct information. And he was like, Johnny don't know what he's talking about, mom. And she said that day I reestablished who's the authority on things Come in the on. house. She's like, I didn't overreact. I wanted to scream. I wanted to jump out of my skin because my baby. be like, no, you don't believe in that. Yeah. No, you bet not. It's yeah, like, that didn't know. help. That right. is but it is. And so that is the environment. Outside, I'm going to police my house. You better believe I'm that mama. Like, I'm going to let him know you ain't got no secrecy until <laughs> you got your own money. I'm underneath the mattress. Like, I, I know who I was at 13. Right. The blessing don't that I had. Forget. My mama had me at 16. So my mom is smarter than the average bear. Tony was always two steps ahead. Like, my mom be at the party before I get there. Like, ah, <laughs> out here, yeah. take your tail home. Like, <laughs> that was my mama. So my experiences are very unique in my own. But I definitely want him to. And, and, and what you realize is that why people be like, kids got to have their privacy. The mm -mm. honest and true from a kid's perspective, that's security. Mm -hmm. That means that no matter what type of mess I get into, mommy and daddy coming to clean it up. That teaches your kids love. That teaches them grace. That teaches them repentance. So at and an it, early age. And they age, ain't always on your side. Oh, that, no. That, that teaches that if they're on your side when you're wrong, especially all the time, boy, that that is teaching you like uh, uh, such a, a terrible way of processing the world. Like, you end up in jail over some stuff like that because when you get older, they can't be the ones that save you. Mm -hmm. Now, if they have the resources to do so, they just teach you how to manipulate the system and you just keep doing it over and over again until you end up dead, shot, or in, in jail. You know what I mean? But um, we had a couple... That question. Right. <laughs> you can take an iPad from me. Sorry. Marriage. Um, you have nothing for yourself. Definitely, definitely not. So we had a couple questions. One was, what's the social media plan? Um, from Camille, they will uh, definitely use technology. How do we stay on top of it? This is the thing. Make everything structured. Like, nothing is a free-for-all. Like, if your kid has been on the computer or social media for seven hours and you think that that's healthy, there's no way that that's healthy. If you healthy. think three hours the, is healthy. Listen, the average boy, the average boy from fifth to sixth grade gets introduced to porn. However you want to look at it, the average boy now, when we were younger, they say that the collection was the parents' collection. The kid just found it. Once they found it, 
It's, ain't no turning back from that. I remember you, we found my aunt's collection. Listen, I'm not going to say her can, name on here because she'd be embarrassed. You can, don't you do it. You can pray all you want. You can go in and intercede and and, and whatever Burn all you sage, want. Burn sage, whatever. Once he sees that, listen, his views on women and, and everything changes from that point on. And, and too much alone time by himself. Me and today said, look, when, we, when we're talking to the parents about social media, it's like, look, set a time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You get this much time on your phone. You don't get to sleep with it in your bed. Matter of fact, all phones go in the kitchen at a certain time at night. Absolutely. Right? You might want to have dinner together. Right? They go on the charger. You get to pick them up in the morning. Set boundaries. You know what I mean? Strong boundaries. Now, parents, some parents are really good. Everything their kid sees on their phone comes to their phone. They get to see every little dot in jittle. And you have to in today's time because, like Tanae was saying, you have kids out there who are speaking into your kids' lives. And these kids are sometimes 30 years old. I mean, and they think like a 17-year-old. And one of the things we tell the youth at the church is like, look, you've only been on this earth for 12 years. Like, reality. You've really only been here for 12 years. Are you going to listen to another 12-year-old? <laughs> Right? That's your expert. That's your expert right there. That's ridiculous. You've but seen his spelling test. The, he can't even spell. Right. And the reality is, is that that's how most of us learn sex education. Right. It, I can't tell you how many parents get alarmed if we say we teach in sex education at youth group. And parents are like, at church? I'm like, where else would we teach them? Why wouldn't you teach them there? You got to learn about the bump why, and grind at church. Right. Why wouldn't you talk about it there? Because if we don't, guess who's going to talk about it? They friends. Right. And the friend who talks to you about it first becomes the expert, just like with Dr. Terry's son. That friend is the expert. If they're the first person that tell you about a term, right, or something you ain't never heard about, and then they tell you about it because they heard it from their older brother, guess who you going back to? Yo, bro, I heard that this would happen if you do dot, dot, dot. They say, yeah, yeah, my brother told me that. And they going with it. They're dumb, right? <laughs> um, so, dumb baby. Uh, we, <laughs> dumb baby. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap up with this last question. Um, it says, how, how, how will you give your son permission to safely communicate his feelings in a world that he fears, that fears his very presence? So I'm going to assume, not going to assume, I know Valerie, what about, um, she's raising a black boy in South Central and she said, I want him to be able to, um, say how he feels. But at the same time, I know that that could put him in a situation that could cost his life. Nope. Nope. Like that's what you're talking about. Like that privilege, right? Where you had moms who just did it because it was what they had to do. They didn't say, well, look, I don't have a daddy. I don't have the income, mm-hmm. right? I don't have the babysitter. Patrick's mom is dropping him off and going to go do it. Why other people chew up food and give it to right. him. Right, and you had to, right, but you had to suck it up, right? right? I still and, got and, that cream of wheat in my teeth. Come on now, <laughs> that cream of wheat. And Metamucil. <laughs> <laughs> like, sometimes you can't, Like, And we live in a generation where they feel like I should be able to. Yeah, you should be able to, but you can't. Right. Queen and you got you got to figure out wisdom. Right. I, I worked in areas where it took five years for me to express what I really wanted to express to them. But I had to express it when I knew that they were ready to hear it. I had to express it when I knew it was a safe space. I had to express it when the context and everything was right. If you say the right thing at the wrong time, it's the wrong thing. Like that, that's just the reality, and that's what the generation has to right. learn. So you can't pacify your boys, and the reason why you can't pacify your boys because the reality in our community is that they have, they are the, they are the foundation of the community. How? No, no, women, no. It's proven who the most community in shambles is African American community. Why? Because all our men are in prison. So obviously, we need them. We don't just they need us too. But you cannot raise your boys to be emotional. If you can't talk today, you can't talk today. If the cops say shut up, shut up, get on the ground. I'm not saying it's right. It's not saying it's fair. And believe I'm gonna take a bullet for mine. But this is his 
his reality and he needs to he gonna have to have put an H on his chest and handle it. Survive. Survive. Empire. Right. Listen, we know born to what gets South Central. What is that rap song? And the rapper he does how like, to survive in South, South Central. Right. How to survive in America. Fundamental. Right. Um, so listen, we, uh, we're about to sign off. We love you guys, but can you do us a favor and share the podcast? We're trying to grow our audience. We're trying to, um, grow our information. Most of all, grow our influence because you know who we do it for and why we do it. Mm-hmm. So if you can share it, tell a friend we're here every other Monday, um, 9 it's a.m. Now, right? It's on iTunes. So go follow us on iTunes and a whole bunch of other things. Follow us on Instagram. Um, we're going to get a little bit better with the social media. Little baby been taking all my energy, but I'm starting to regroup. I'm Tanae Denise. <laughs> this is my husband, Rondell Eskridge. This is our producer Jay Patrick Wise and you know what you need to do brush, brush, your, brush your teeth, teeth. come on Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.